Welcome back, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Winter Circle. I, of course, am your host, Anthony Wynn. Oh, boy. Thank God for those Chiefs, baby. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Um, they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, let's just say I was a little, I was a little uh, nervous going into halftime, but hey, they, 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 they pulled it off, man. They pulled it off. So I'm happy about that. Thank you, Chiefs. Um, but we'll get into that game a little bit. All those underlying stories there. Um, you know, there's some, there's, there's been some, uh, things said, you know, this week about Daniel Jones and like how people wouldn't pay him and stuff like that. I'm going to get into some of that in the, in the talk, talk about the Giants a little bit. Aaron Rodgers is going into his, uh, little, um, darkness retreat. And I have some things to say about that. The narrative's being thrown about it. It kind of is annoying, and I, you know, I'll get into that a little bit. Um, MLB sp- spring training technically officially started. I mean, there hasn't been any games yet, but pitchers and catchers reported, and let's go, baby! New new Major League Baseball season about to come up. Um, they got a bunch of new rules that are being put in place this year, so I'll get into some of those and the inner workings of that a little bit from what I've seen so far. Um, getting to some of the major rule changes that we'll see this year. Um, yeah, and I'll get into the Yankees and the Mets a little bit. So, you know, what do we think about the teams going in? There's been some things happening with the Yankees as of late. Um, you got Montas being out for the year. Get into how crappy of a trade that was by Cashman. Um, and, yeah, and the, you know, all the Pakoda numbers coming out, win projections, Mets, how they look. Yeah, let's go, baby. Another another, another baseball season is about to begin, and I'm hyped about it. Um, it's a little weird, though, because this is now going to be the first weekend with no football. And I don't know how to feel about it. It feels like the Super Bowl was like three weeks ago already. It's crazy. It's so odd. I don't even know what to, like... You got the Rangers tonight. Damn, I didn't even. I have so much in my notes right now. I even put them in my notes. They're on a six-game win streak. Have six goals in the last three games. They've scored at least four in the last five. They're they're on a roll. I wish Shesterkin would be a little bit more consistent, but they're coming off the All Star break. He's only played twice in about a two-week span. So, you know, they got a big game coming up against Edmonton tonight, and they had a good win against Vancouver the other night. It wasn't pretty, but again. Six goals, you score like that, you're not going to have too many problems winning games. And they need it right now. They're eight back of Carolina. Uh, I believe they're only three back of the Devils. So that'll, that, as of right now, that's the first-round matchup. Rangers-Devils in the first round. That's going to be crazy. But, yeah, man, they're hot at the right time, and I'm loving it. So I'll get. I, I'll see if I have time, but I didn't even put them on the notes. I, 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 they definitely deserve some attention, though. Um but you know who else deserves the te- attention? The fucking New York Knicks deserve attention. And they have made me fairly happy in recent weeks. You know, that going into the All-Star break, um, winning five of six, finishing games, not not letting games get get close. It's it's been a it's been a beautiful thing to see. Jalen Brunson, All-Star snub, probably the biggest one. But, hey, he's been balling. I ain't mad about it. I don't even give a shit that he's not an all-star. He should be an all-star. But if it if it puts the chip on his shoulder and he keeps 
playing the way he's been playing. First, no one could have expected this from Jalen Brunson. So, yeah, man, there's a lot to get into. I'll get into all that. But uh, let's start off with the Super Bowl, man. We just it, it's been the I know it's already been pretty much a week, but uh, I'm just thankful for the Chiefs. I got to be honest though, just getting into the game a little bit. Shaky first half from Kansas City. I thought it was going to be just kind of a shootout when you look at the you when you look at the final score, it kind of looks like it was, but it kind of wasn't because Kansas City. Open and drive, they score. Like, they look pretty good. And then from there on, the the Eagles' defense kind of just dominated the first half. And offensively for the Eagles, they couldn't be stopped in the first half. Jalen Hurts played great in that game. He he really did. And I can't tell. How many times did they fucking QB sneak in this game? And it worked every time. That's probably the only team in the league that can QB sneak on like a fourth and two and probably get it. It looked like they were getting three, four yards on every sneak. Man, it was a shaky, shaky first half for the Kansas City offense, though. And it had me nervous. And the way the, the Eagles offense was playing, I was I was very concerned. But to me, you know, take away everything, the biggest play of the game was the fumble recovery for a touchdown. You finally get some type of pressure on Jalen Hurts. And, you know, you made him scramble out of the pocket, and he just, it slipped out of his hand, and he fumbled the ball. That ended up being the only turnover of the game, and the Chiefs took it in for a touchdown. If it's not for that, the Eagles are up 24-7 at halftime, and it's a way different game. I mean, look, even if it's 24-7, you still can't count Patrick Mahomes out. I mean, there's been countless occasions, 24-14, down 10 2010 going into the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl down 20 to 10 against the 49ers won that um down 24 nothing in the first half against Houston that year in the divisional round won that I mean you got to give this team this dude credit he he doesn't he doesn't fold so you know I ha- I I, I was nervous that's all I had to say I was nervous and then Kansas City I mean, like, they come out in the second half, and you think, like, look, they're probably going to have to score on their first drive if they want a shot here. Because the, the, de- uh, the way the Eagles defense and offense was playing, for that matter, the offensive line was controlling that game. And while there wasn't many rushing yards, Jalen Hurts had all day to throw the ball, and they tore you up in the first half. And so you had to think if you're Kansas City down 10 having the ball after half, you have to score on that first drive. So what'd they do? They go right down the field, score on the first drive, and it was just it was just open season from there. Kansas City had four possessions in the second half. The only reason they didn't score four touchdowns is because they didn't want to on the last one. Jarek McKinnon was on his way to the end zone when it was tied at 35, probably what, a, less, a little less than a minute left. And he slid, thankfully. You, you could tell. he. I was watching the game, I remember, and I'm screaming at the TV. Go down. I'm screaming at him. Go down. And it looked like he was about to go in. But to his credit, he didn't go, da- he didn't go in. Um, look, it was just, it was a great game. But the Eagles got outplayed in the second half completely. Like, 
I don't know whether it was coaching adjustments at halftime. I don't know if it's the extended halftime because you have the halftime show, which was great, by the way. I love the halftime show. Rihanna did really good. Um, But look, man, they just came out and dominated in the second half. And again, four possessions. They scored on all four. I mean, they settled for the field goal at the end, but that was the that was the game winner. Only gave Jalen Hurts, I think, what eight seconds to throw a hail mary, which was short as shit, by the way. But I'm not going to shit on Jalen Hurts. He played an outstanding game and literally got paid at that game because they're about to sign him to a crazy deal, and they should. But um, I'm look <laughs> at the end of the day. What I take out of this is I'm just glad I don't have to deal with any obnoxious-ass Philly fans for the whole entire offseason. I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I mean, it took two days, but my, you know, a friend of mine that's a Philly fan, Bo, he texted me. And he was like, all right, talk your shit. I even talk my shit, man. Because not for nothing, <laughs> they did kind of smoke the Giants. So I didn't really even talk shit. He knew I was rooting for Kansas City because I fucking hate Philly. And I talk shit about the fans a little bit. Fucking crybabies. And look, I, I know some of y'all are wondering, he's not going to get into the flag at the end of the game. Look, to me, the conversation ends after Bradbury in, a pre- in the press conference after the game says he held them. The conversation ends. And I, yo, I give so much props to Bradbury for doing that. And I'm going to get in to Juju Smith-Schuster, who's the wide receiver that got held on that play. That fucking idiot. But I'll get into that in a second. But I give so much credit to Bradbury. This, for me, all you Eagles fans can cry about the, the how that time it sh- they shouldn't have called the flag. They they weren't calling it all game. And I understand the whole consistency argument because, you know, even at any level as a player, you all you want for the refs to do are be consistent. Well, Look, I understand. I understand all that. And you can be frustrated all you want. But the second that the dude that held the guy comes out and says he held him, the, the conversation for me, it ends right there. It ends right there. I'm not even going to waste my time on it. It was a flag. He said he held him. He did hold him. You can call it ticky-tack, whatever you want to call it. They called it. I don't care. I don't care at what point it was in the game. I, I, I just don't. So you could say all you want about it, but... It was a hold. And the fact that Bradbury said it was a hold just confirms that for me. So that's why I'm not going too crazy into it. You, And I don't give a shit. that I'm glad that Eagles fans are crying about it because that means they lost. And cry about it. Please. I love it. And to Bo's credit, by the way, he did not cry about it. He went into more detail on how, you know, they didn't get pressure on the quarterback, which they didn't because they didn't get a sack. And by the way, team led the league in sacks this year, and you got to give the offensive line for Kansas City a lot of credit. They didn't. T- they didn't even touch Patrick Mahomes. Didn't touch him. So, you know, you don't lose the game on that one play, and it was a hold. So stop bitching. Not even stop bitching. Keep bitching. I don't give a shit. But to sit here and make the argument like you don't make that call during that time, bullshit. It's a hold. Call it. I don't give a shit what point in the game it is. The only the only kit you have coming to you is the consistency because in the first half of that game, Bradbury literally swung the dude around and didn't get called for a hold. So I understand that argument. 
You can make that argument. But at the end of the day, the second that the player says that it was a hold, it was a fucking hold. All right? And by the way, Juju Smith-Schuster. Look, man, you didn't do shit in the game, so I don't want to hear it. But to go on social media and do what you did, acting like a fucking dunce. For those of you who don't know, which if you follow sports, you definitely do now. This guy, Juju Smith-Schuster, tweeted out a Valentine's Day like gift card thing on Twitter. And it said it was a picture of James Bradbury. And it was something <clears throat> it was something along the lines of like, I'll hold you whenever at any time you need me or whatever. Something like that. Just, you know, play. Look, at, is it is it fun and games? Sure. But at the end of the day, you just want a Super Bowl, bro. And that dude literally just was like man enough to admit that he held you. So, like, why don't you just like shut the fuck up? How's that sound? Like, you're not that good to be doing this either, by the way. <laughs> like AJ Brown clapped back, and he, and he, and I'm glad he did. He's defending his guy, talking about how he called him TikTok boy and all. It was funny, and he even said to begin with, "Congratulations, y'all deserved to win," but you know this shit is lame. That's exactly what he said. You know, and it's just aggravating. I just had to get that out there. Juju's, Juju's a clown, and he's not even that good. So. Why don't you sit back and you got carried to that ring. All right. So shut the hell up. <clears throat> but um, at the end of the day, the biggest two, two big things I took out of this game. One, I'm glad the Eagles lost and uh, I'm glad the Eagle f- fans are miserable. That's one. You can call me whatever you want. I'm glad they're miserable. Two, the Kelsey brothers are probably my favorite guys in the league. The two of them both. Like just, you know, the whole story the, the whole, you know, storyline first brothers to play each other in the Super Bowl, all that fun stuff, but man, they're just they're great. They're great. You know, the the way they get emotional about how like their mom was like the center of attention for the entire week. It was the, the humility for Jason to congratulate congratulate Trav Travis that shit's cool, man. <laughs> and Jason literally said to him, fuck you, congratulations on the field. But, you know, the moments that they had with their mom, and if you haven't seen it, I recommend you go watch it. You will definitely cry. But it is an awesome moment. And, you know, they have their podcast, New Heights, and it's a great podcast. I I, I recommend you listen to their podcast. They're, they're very entertaining, both of them. But, uh, you know, they get emotional talking about it, but it's it's a really cool thing to see. Like, their story is great. Their story is great. And, you know, Trav's a partier. You could tell he's like a mini Gronk in that way. But, uh, and you could tell Jason's kind of like the the stabilizer of the whole thing. Like, if dude, the story's crazy. Like, Travis, they both went to Cincinnati in college. Travis got kicked off the team because he was doing stupid shit. And Jason, like, you know, kind of lobbied for him to the coach, got him back on the team, turned into a tight end. He did play quarterback at first, Travis did. It's a crazy story. You guys should go, you know, look that up. It's nuts. And it was cool, man. It was just cool to see, like, that whole interaction play out. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, look, at the end of the day, Eagles lost, and I'm thrilled about it. Good job, Chiefs. Let's get into more of the the, uh, the personal teams, all right? Um, let me get into some Giants here. And I'm just going to kind of 
they got to they still got to sign uh Jones. And look, the offseason just started. Like there's time for all of this. And uh you know, what are they going to do with Daniel Jones and Saquon and all that stuff? But I just want to I kind of want to just address one thing that I've been hearing all week on all these shows and stuff and just Giants fans calling in, people calling in. Excuse me. Um look, with the numbers coming out, talking about how you know Jalen Hurts is going to get forty-five million a year, all that shit. What are we going to pay Daniel? Look, I heard a lot of people come come over the radio <clears throat> talking about how they don't want Daniel Jones. They'd rather draft somebody. Blah 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 blah. Look, getting a free agent. I don't even know how we do that. Where like where are you going to go? All these guys. I'd rather have Daniel Jones over over most of the guys in free agency. Okay, just being honest with you. But the thing that I'm not understanding is, look, there's a market for quarterbacks, bro. If Daniel Jones don't sign with the Giants, he's going to sign somewhere. Someone will pick him up at whatever the number is. For me, you got to start negotiations where the franchise tag is, and that's what thirty-two and a half a year. The exclusive franchise tag is 45 a year. So mm, uh, what do you want to do there? Exactly. So you got to figure out what you're going to do. What I think is going to happen is they're just going to tag him and try to sign Saquon. And I'm not sure if I love that. Um, it, it, but back to my original point, this narrative going around like not wanting Daniel Jones, I don't know why you wouldn't want him. First of all, he finally has good coaching. And oh, by the way, I I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, Mike Kafka, who's the offensive coordinator, and Wink Martindale, who's the defensive coordinator, were bo- both finalists for head coaching jobs after one year of being the Giants coordinators. Both of them were finalists. Now, thankfully, they didn't get picked up because I think this is be- this is being very underrated. Another year with Daniel Jones with the same system that has succeeded with zero talent around him other than Saquon Barkley and a few pieces on the O-line, which showed, by the way. Another year under the system, you got to think they're going to go out and get free agents. They're going to get a wide receiver in the draft. They're going to do all of this, okay? And to sit here and, like, forget what happened this season so quickly, I mean, the dude, you could tell from... Week one on, the team just got better and better and better and better. And they had injuries. Their receiving core was depleted. You had nobody that you thought you were going to have on the team playing. Richie James did not come into this season thinking he was going to be the slot receiver for this team. Isaiah Hodgins got picked off the practice squad in Buffalo in like the middle of the year. Okay? Kenny Galladay didn't see the fucking field. Sterling Shepard gets hurt in the first, I think, second week. Then you get um, Wondell Robinson. The game he literally breaks out and has a 100-yard day. Tears his ACL out for the rest of the season. Okay? All the guys you thought you were going to have weren't there. Let's not forget that. Did you beat crazy good teams? No, you didn't. But this team was also 
Didn't see a day over 500 for five seasons. Okay? They didn't, never a 1 0 star ever in five seasons. Okay? This team went to the playoffs and won a playoff game on the road. And oh, by the way, Daniel Jones was great in that game. You can talk to me all you want to talk to about, um, you know, it being Minnesota's defense and look what he did against Philly. The talent gap between the two teams was infinite when they played against Philly, okay? Philly went to the Super Bowl and lost by three points, all right? Minnesota was going to get thumped by Philly, too. So let's just chill with that. I just don't understand it. I don't like look. Most of the Giants fans, I think, that have a brain, understand what we have right now, and they know like it's like it's a good thing if we can just build around this. And Kafka staying is a huge deal. Martindale staying is a huge deal. Okay. At the end of the day, it's Brian Dayball's team, but but. Kafka was calling plays. <laughs> the dude had zero talent at, at the wide receiver position and won a playoff game and had a meaningless Week 18 game. Come on, man. Come on, man. The coaching means something. And when they get talent around this dude now, I, 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 don't, I, didn't, I just didn't understand it. That's all I have to say about that. All the machinations of, of the contracts and what's going to happen, like what are they going to do with Saquon, I think they're going to do their best. It sounds like they're trying to get both of them back. And I think that's great. How they do it, will I be happy with how they do it? I don't know. But look, man, at the end of the day, I, I trust this GM and I trust this coach. So they're going to do what they got to do. One more thing on the football front, okay? And it has to do with Aaron Rodgers. If I'm the Jets, he's the number one priority. I think he's going to be a Jet. I'm not even going to get all into that today. But he's going on this whole darkness retreat, right? And, you know, I thought this this week. And it's it's so funny to me, like, in the sports world... And in sports entertainment, all these radio shows, the national shows, ESPN, all this stuff. Love it. This is my thing. There's a reason why I want to get into this business. There's a reason why I do this podcast. Like, I love all this stuff. I literally am trying to do the same thing of all these people, okay? But the this narrative, right, that Aaron Rodgers is going to this, like, darkness retreat which, by the way, I would never do, but, like, to each his own, right? Like, everybody's got their ways of, you know, helping them get through life and, you know, make tough decisions in life and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that making a decision on whether or not to play is not part of the reason why he wants to do something like this, but it's not the full scope. This guy's had this thing planned for four months, okay? And... You know, we've we've heard about the whole trip to Peru and the ayahuasca and, you know, finding a larger meaning in everything and all that stuff. And I'm not saying it like that to downgrade it. 
again, I, I actually think there are a lot of benefits to doing things like that. I do. Uh, would I do it? Probably not. But I'm not going to shit on people who do. Like, there's reasons for everything, right? And just the whole... Back to the main point, right? So, like, all I hear is, like, oh, he's going to make his decision, like, the second he gets out of... Like, we got to wait for him to come out of this darkness retreat. You know, this little darkness hut, whatever. And he's going to... Like, everybody's like, I hope he finds that he picks the Jets, or I hope he stays in Green Bay, or he might retire. Maybe he'll come. Guys, he's not doing this to make a decision on football, okay? Now, if it was a retirement decision, sure. I hear hear that. The dude wants to play, okay? He's not going into this telling himself, all right, When I come out of this, I'm going to know what I'm going to do and what team I'm going to go to. No. This is not what he's doing this for. And he told you that it has nothing to do with that. The the, the people think that this is the reason he does these things. Like, and I get it. It's the sports world, man. Like, and by the way, he makes all this public for a reason. Like, he likes the attention. He likes to explain these things to people. But it doesn't make it, like, about sports all the time just because he's the quarterback. Like, and a great one at that. And one that has questions about what he's going to do in the future. I understand all of that. Like, but, like, just (laughs) people are acting like the second he comes out of this thing, he's going to know what he wants to do and where he wants to go right away. I mean... It's going to help him put everything in perspective, yes, but, like, things still need to happen here. Like, things can, like, he hasn't even really negotiated with anybody from the sound of it. So, I don't know, can we can we just settle down with this, with this whole thing? I'm not going crazy into that, because, look, at the end of the day, I think the Jets are going to get him. And I think they have to, considering all the moves they've made. Hiring the people they've hired. It doesn't look like Derek Carr is going to be the one. And, you know, there are rumblings about Lamar Jackson being traded. So, to me, it's those two. Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. And anything other than that is disappointment if I'm a Jet fan. Just just with the moves that they've made. Hiring Nathaniel Hackett being the biggest one. So... At the end of the day, I think he's going to end up a Jet. That's just my gut feeling. Uh, Unless he retires, but we don't know. We don't know what he's thinking. And (laughs) that that whole narrative to me is just funny. But all right, enough about that. I just just wanted to put my two cents in on that. Because it's just been, you know, I feel like it's a reach. I just feel like it's a reach. Like, he probably already knows what he's going to do. Like, again, he's had this plan forever. So, like, this is before he knew, like, he was going to have this issue at the end of the... All right. Off of that. Off of that. New rules in the MLB. Let's get into it. This is kind of... This is kind of... I'm. It's making me more excited for the season. I'm not going to lie. And I actually just remembered one that I didn't put in the notes. But I'll get into all of them. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Um... My throat gets so dry. 
sitting here talking. I need to get a freaking co-host, man. Look, that's going to be in the works. I'm trying to... It's been hard because I don't have a lot of time. But I'm, try, I'm trying to, uh, like, figure out a way to, like, like, do this. I've been talking to my boy OJ back home. You know, he does his own podcast uh, with another friend of mine who I haven't spoken with in a long-ass time, Julio. They, they, they do a podcast. Damn, what, what was it called? I feel bad now for forgetting it. I've been messaging him back and forth. It's podcast Del Sol on YouTube. So I, I recommend that. They talk about a bunch of New York sports. But they talk about a bunch of things. But um, I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of, you know, get people on. I think I use a software right now that doesn't allow me to do that. So I got to figure out something else. I need to do that, though. <laughs> I know I, I delved into this because my throat got dry. But I need to get people on. I need, I need to have a little bit of a back and forth. Don't get me wrong. I love doing this by myself. This is great. I just feel like it'd be way more entertaining when I had someone to go back and forth with. For instance, I, I watched their podcast on the trade deadline, and they got into a heated-ass argument about Josh Hart, the the trade for the, that the Knicks made. Heated argument. It was fun to watch. Mad entertaining. But, um, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Just my throat's dry, and I need people to talk to, man. I appreciate everybody listening. Spread the word, but, like, let's... Someone hit me up and help me figure this out. I'm not very tech savvy. Just doing this is enough for me, all right? Help me out. Um, either way, back to what I was talking about. MLB, new MLB rules. Um, there's a lot of new rules starting this season, and it's making me super excited for the season. So just to get into a few, the shift is banned. There's no longer a shift. And for those of you who don't know what the shift is, they can't have, you know, you can't have the second baseman in shallow right center or, you know, the third baseman can't be right behind second base, the shortstop. You know what I mean? You have to have two people on each side of second base in the infield at all times. Well, not not at all times. The pitch, once the pitch is thrown, you can move around, but their feet need to be on the dirt um, until the pitch is thrown. They can't be on the outfield grass or the infield grass. I'm sure you can, like, put the infield in. I don't think I necessarily would call that a shift. But, um, no, that's a good question. I should have asked that. I should have called and asked that question this week to the shows that I listen to. But, um, so the shift is no longer a thing. Uh, there's going to be a pitch clock. And I'll get into the machinations and little rules of that in a second. But, uh, there's a few other rules I want to bring up. You can only make two moves um, off the mound with a runner on base. That's a big deal. And I'll get into that. Um, and the one the one rule I still have an issue with is the freaking ghost runner at second base when, in, when extra innings start. I hate that rule. But, yeah. No, the shift no longer being a thing is going to be huge. Um, I mean, how many times... When they put the shift on, and by the way, like the shift, it's not a managerial thing. People are getting numbers thrown at them by specific players that hit the ball a specific direction, and they shift the players over to have more people in those spots so they can make an out. It's it's just you know, it's strategic. Not really though. Like it's it's kind of an advantage, and it's on you know, 
it takes away from the athleticism of the game. So I think that's one thing that will be back. How many times do you want to watch a game and just, you know, a dude hits a freaking piss missile right up the middle and the third baseman is standing right behind second base and it goes right to him. I mean, you want to see these guys making athletic-ass plays, diving for the ball off one knee, throw to first, quick throws. Like, it's that's way more entertaining to watch. So you're going you're gonna to get that with the banning of the shift. Um, and pull hitters who hit in one direction more often than another are going to get very benefited from the shift, specifically for the Yankees, Anthony Rizzo. It's going to be huge for him, but that's neither here or there. That helps out the hitters. Look, it's just gonna. I think it's just going to make it more fun to watch. You're going to see more great plays defensively, and it's going to be cool. So. I, I love that they banned the shift. The pitch clock. Now, I want to look this up a little bit more because, let's see, new pitch clock rule. For those, they really want to shorten the game. So that's the that's the, uh, the goal here. And they tried this in the minor leagues first. And... Um, it, it dropped the time of the game for to an average about two and a half hours, which is awesome. Because what's the biggest problem with baseball right now? They're fucking long as shit. Don't get me wrong. I love watching uh, Red Sox-Yankees, the most storied rivalry in baseball. Trust me. I love those series. I love those games. I, for me personally, as a Yankee fan, I could sit and watch those games. And as a pa- baseball fan. I can do it. It's easy for me. But they are long. Like a lot of these games are long. Who wants to sit there and watch a game for four and a half hours? Not a lot of people. So if we can mitigate that, and you know, what is that? What's the cause of that? I mean, you got pitchers stepping off the mound, making throws to first, you know, having really long and just winded uh, wind-ups and just, Crazy long deliveries, taking time, batter stepping out of the box, a whole shit ton of reasons. And there's rules to for both the pitchers and the batters for this for these pitch clocks. So I'm gonna get into it. So the new rule. Pitchers will have fifteen seconds to throw a pitch with the bases empty and twenty seconds with a runner on base. Hitters will need to be in the batter's box with eight seconds left on the pitch clock at least. Um I have this whole thing. I'm just going to go through this whole thing right here. How it's going to be enforced, right? If a pitcher has not started the motion to deliver a pitch before the expiration of the clock, he will be charged with a ball. If a batter delays entering the box, he will be charged with a strike. Wow. So if you're a batter, you better be getting in that box because, you, again, if, if there's no runners on, it's a 20-second clock that starts when the pitcher receives the ball from the catcher. So no more sitting there, you know, unraveling your bat and gloves and putting them back on tighter, which I never understood in the first place. Like, it's kind of unnecessary, but it is a baseball thing. I used to do it all the time when I was when I was at bat. But, yeah, I mean, it's just going to make everything a little bit quicker. And <clears throat> I love it. And it's funny. I heard a story come out the other day, like, pitchers are uh, reworking their deliveries and stuff, which is... 
it's a little it's a little concerning because you know these guys are creatures of habit and they have their processes and their and their you know ways of going about things and practicing their uh you know it's all technique when it comes to throwing a baseball man it, it, it that's i mean you got to be strong yeah but like a lot of the time like these pitchers you know they they're throwing 95 96 97 miles an hour because of you know the way they throw the ball so you know that's a little bit of a cause for concern i guess if you you know but at the same time it it's going to make everything move quicker and so that's kind of what you want to see uh so that's another i'm i, I got to go back to this page here um I'm just I'm gonna go through more now. So I'm glad about the pitch clock. I think that's gonna be great. You got the pickoff rule. So the new rule pickoffs are now considered one version of disengagements, um, which consists of any time that the pitcher makes a pickoff attempt, fakes a pickoff, or steps off the rubber. So it doesn't matter if you're gonna throw the ball or not. Like if you step off, that's a that's a quote unquote disengagement. Um Pitches are allowed two disengagements per plate appearance without penalty. Okay. Um, after a third step off, the pitcher will be charged with a balk unless at least one offensive player uh, advances a base. So if you throw over a third time, you have to get him. If you don't get the guy out, um, he advances to the next base. They call a balk. Um, another rule, this is the one I forgot to write down, the bigger bases, um, you know, bases will be increased from 15 inches to 18 inches. So the, I guess the theory here, so th this says the increase in the size of the bases should reduce injuries around them while increasing stolen base attempts. So yeah, that's true. Um, I saw a stat or heard a stat the other day that in the minors, with the bigger bases, because they've had it in the minors, with the bigger bases, um, stolen bases have been up by 40%, or stolen base attempts. So that's true. It's going to be uh, it's, it's a little less than 90 feet now to get to the base. So that causes defenders to be on their toes too. They're not going to have a lot of time to uh, gather a throw. A lot of the time they're going to have to you know, scoop the ball and throw right away because um, it is shorter now because the bases are bigger. And I get the theory there. I don't love it, but I get the theory there. The the it, they're trying to prevent injuries like at first base and for the most part, really anywhere where there's a force out, um, because it's harder to get to the other end of the bag. Like it shouldn't. It's no one should be running into each other for anything. So I get it. I don't love that rule, but I get it. It's going to increase the stolen bases, which. I'm excited to see because you want more stolen bases. You want you want to see that because those days have been long gone for a while because of all this analytic crap. Um, what's the one more the shift I saw? Oh, and look, the one I can't stand that they're keeping is the freaking ghost runner at second when extra start. Look, I understand you want to you want to kind of, and I heard the players actually love it, but I understand you know wanting the games to move quicker and stuff. And, you know, I guess I could compromise. Let the 10th and the 11th inning be regular baseball and then go to the California rule, please. But that's not going to be the case. They're going to keep it permanent. Once the 10th inning begins, uh person who makes the last out in the previous inning, 
goes and is the runner on second with no outs in the inning. So, you know, it's, I don't like it, but, you know, they're trying to slow, uh, I mean, quick the games up, and they don't want to have these 18 inning games anymore. And I get it. I understand that, but I don't know how much that does for it. And you're not pl- you're not doing that in the postseason. So if you're not going to do that in the postseason, why would you do it all year during the regular season? I don't love it. I just don't love that rule. All the other ones I'm cool with. The bigger bases I'm iffy on, but all the other ones I love. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to make the game way more fast paced, a way faster pace, and it's going to be more fun to watch. That that shift rule being there is such a big deal for so many teams. It just is. I mean, think about Joey Gallo. He, he'll probably have a better season now if he's on even on a roster. I don't even know that. But he couldn't hit the ball opposite field even if he tried. <laughs> he couldn't hit the ball, period. But he couldn't hit the ball opposite field ever. <laughs> but no, those, those are just some of the new rules, man. I'm excited for the season to start because I, I can't wait to see how this is implemented. Implemented. And look, you know you're going to have players complaining, pitchers complaining, all these batters complaining, all that shit. Boo-hoo. The players will get used to it. Don't worry about what they have to say. Everybody is aware that they're going to start bitching and moaning about shit. So let's just let it rock. They're not going anywhere. I I like that they're doing this. And let's, let's see how it goes. But, yeah, speaking of baseball, let's go into the Yankees a little bit. Look. What are they going to do? Spring training has started, and there's been some very negative Yankee news in the recent weeks. Uh, Montas, Frankie Montas, the guy you traded away J.P. Sears for, um, is going to be out for the season because he needs surgery on his shoulder, I think it is, or his elbow. I don't remember which one it is. Regardless, he's going to be out for the year. And look. I just have a slight problem with the way the offseason was handled by Cashman. I just do. Look, I know we got Judge. And look, I know I just said look like 8,000 times. I'm sorry, but it, I'm just a little frustrated because you had to get Judge. You had to get Judge. You lose Judge, you lose the fan base for a while. Let's just, let's just be honest. And Hal Steinbrenner knew that. That's why he jumped in. Okay? But... You had to get Judge. And look, the this is the biggest issue I have with this team is that the lineup is essentially the same. It's the same lineup. You didn't do anything in left field. That's another thing, by the way. That Ben Intendi trade ended up being a bad trade, too. Because you had him for like a month, and then he got hurt. So... I mean, I think you kind of regret not signing him in the offseason. That's just my personal opinion. I know he was asking for a lot of money, but you're, you're going to roll out Aaron Hicks. I mean, are we really going to do this right now? We're going to roll out Aaron Hicks. And the pro- the biggest problem I have with this team is that they just don't admit their mistakes. Brian Cashman is so stubborn. This guy is talking up Donaldson. And all you're going to hear about Donaldson is how he's got Rob Fur, Gold Glove, blah, blah, blah. Great defender. Wonderful. Dude can't hit the broadside of a barn. And you think he's going to have a bounce back year at 37 years old? Come on, man. Can we just be honest? Aaron Hicks. The dude hasn't been able to stay healthy ever. And we think that he's going to have a bounce back season. This is ridiculous. 
You don't even know who's, who your shortstop's going to be. Now, it, it it just bothers me that there's so many questions, right? You you don't trade Volpe, you don't trade Peraza, Cabrera, all these guys, right? And we saw a piece of Peraza and Cabrera, a piece, going going into the end of last year. And let's be honest, they weren't going to thrive in the postseason. I mean, look at the position they were put in. <laughs> so, this is my thing. We sit here and we don't trade for Luis Castillo. We go, we we settle for Montas and get rid of a good pitcher in J.P. Sears, which, by the way, would much rather have right now instead of Montas, considering Montas isn't, we're probably not going to see him ever again as a Yankee. Let's just be real. Okay, so, the fact that you did that trade and... We don't know who our shortstop's going to be, and you had options there. And so we don't do the trade because you don't want to get rid of these guys. Can we? Can, I don't care. This is the problem I have with, with Cashman. He brings in Isaiah Kanafalefa, and it look like Kanafalefa doesn't even want to be here. He requested a trade, and they're probably not going to do it because they don't know what they're going to do at shortstop, which bothers me because you saw Peraza and how well he played defensively. I don't care what you need to give these. You need to commit to these guys. You commit to them by not trading them all the time. But when do we ever see them? Let's just run through the list, okay? Of of the stubbornness of Cashman. The 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 handful of names that were untradeable. Clint Frazier. Where's he at? We don't even know. Um. Anduhar. Rookie of the year, Andujar, who should have... I think he won rookie of the year. If he didn't, he was second. I know he was. Where he? Where's he at? He, we just bought him out. <laughs> where's it? Greg Bird. He, you can't help that. He got injured. Um. Damn. DPHR went through it this morning. Fuck. There's, there, there's more names. All these untradeable assets at the time. And... Look where they're at now. Glaber Torres is one of them too, but he's at least still playing. Gary Sanchez. I mean, we were just stubborn, man. Admit the mistakes. Fix them. And you're not committing to these guys. You can't you, you can't bring these guys up. If they make this team, they have to play. If Peraza or Volpe makes this team, they have to play. You can't put them on the bench for three games and then play them for two days and then put them on the bench for four games and then play them for two ga- days again. We can't do that. That's going to stunt the growth. I don't give a shit if they start off over 36. I don't give a shit if they go 18 for 36. They need to play, man. I'm tired of them being the ones that hold up the moves that could help us win a World Series every year at the trade deadline and they don't get on the field. Can we put them on the field. I've been screaming that forever. And we haven't done it. So can we do it? And by the way, I hate the narrative. I, w- I want to bring this up too real quick before I get off the Yankees. Because I realize I'm 47 minutes in right now. And I still want to talk about the Knicks. I'm not talking about the Mets today. We all know about the Mets, right? Like, you know, We know what they've done this, this offseason. They're going to be good. Their Pakoda um, win total... I think is like their projected win total I think is like 90 96 I think it's 96 
and they're projected to win the division. They're going to be a really good team. They won 101 games last year. I see no change. I, I, I see a hungrier team considering how they ended last year, and they have the AL Cy Young Award winner on their uh, rotation now. So you're going to be good. I mean, I have a bunch of things here. You know, you re-sign Nimmo. You re-sign McNeil to two very team-friendly deals, great deals. You re-sign Diaz. You got Verlander. Um, we know about the Correa deal falling through, but I don't blame the Mets for that. Um, you know, not many changes to your lineup. I mean, you still kind of have the same lineup, but you have a good fucking lineup. I mean, you might be missing one bat, but you got the trade deadline too. You guys are going to be fine. Mets are going to be chilling. Um, but back to what I was saying, I just wanted to get into this for a second. Um, I had so much more on the Yankees too. All right, let me just... I'm sorry, I know I'm going all over the place, but just Cashman just pisses me off, right? Because just back to some of the things that are bothering me, they acknowledge that they had issues at shortstop and left field and, honestly, third base offensively. And they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. Donaldson is going to be the third baseman. It looks like Aaron Hicks is going to be the left fielder. And we don't we don't know what they're gonna do at shortstop. So it's just it, I I say that to go into the point of you know I heard you know uh, look Rick and Dave on DPH on Rothenberg is my favorite they're my favorite show to listen to. Um, I love those guys, but but they they're Met fans and they hate Yankee fans that call and complain and get annoyed. And I understand the ones that are unrealistic, but when you gotta team that says they're winning or they're building to win not a championship but championships and they consistently make the playoffs but they consistently make moves that don't improve the team and then consistently make excuses talking about how health plays a factor which I'm not saying it doesn't but I don't give a shit if Benintendi's healthy or whoever or LeMayhew's healthy we're losing that series to the Astros. Maybe it's six games instead of a sweep. But we're losing the series. They are just a better team. So, to and then to acknowledge that you have issues at these positions and then not do anything about it. You, why can't I be upset at that? Why can't I be upset at that? I don't understand that. I don't give a shit how spoiled we've been. You could, Yes, we have been spoiled. But this team hasn't made a World Series since 2009, and they've only been to one in the last 20 years. So... I'm sorry, that's a pretty decent drought, is it not? I know we're in the playoffs every season. We were just in the ALCS. We just got smoked in the ALCS. So, I'm sorry. When the team comes out and says that they have the issues that they have and don't do anything about those issues, again, I know we got Judge back, and I'm extremely grateful for it because if it's not for him, we don't. We probably don't. We probably were in the wild card last season and don't win the fucking division without Judge last year. So, uh, uh, that's my point. Okay? And you had to get judged. So, great. Ugh. And I say all that to say, and, and look, and here comes the spoiled part again. I'm going to make this point, everybody that see, spoiled. But I say all that to say this. They're projected to win 98 games this season. And they won 99 games this last season. I get it. But I just... I just want to be sure that they're going to make the decisions that they need to make. Like, can we play the young kids? Play them. Play them. 
Show commitment to them. Show them that you trust them. Let them play. And let's see what we got. Because I'm tired of them like shackling us and not being able to make deals at the deadline that will extremely improve the team. All right. They're going to make the playoffs, though. I know they are. Shut up with the spoiled shit, though. I'm allowed to be upset with these things. Okay? All right. Enough about baseball now. I'm at 52 minutes. I think the Knicks deserve to get some time, so I'm going to talk about them. (laughs) Because Knicks are finally closing games. They've won five of six, five of their last six. Um, going into the All-Star break. Look, the last two, they straight up smoked the Nets and they smoked the Hawks going into the break. I saw a crazy stat the other day that Randall is leading the NBA in first quarter threes made, which makes sense now when you watch the games. That dude is hoisting them up in the first quarter. He's averaging a lot of points in the first quarter too. I think he's averaging like 13 or 14 points in the first quarter. So that's that's he's in the fucking three point contest. I think I saw that. That'd be wild. That's crazy that he's in the three point contest. There ain't no shot he's winning the three point contest. Let's get the fuck out of here. But that's crazy that he's even in it. Um. Look, man, they're closing games out. I mean, we still see the slight issues when Randall has the ball late, but for the most part, Jalen Brunson has taken over these games. And I think he's solidifying that this is his team. And I think Randall, to his credit, is accepting that and he's playing better for it. Um, again, I kill Randall a lot. I know I do. I come on here all the time and kill Randall. I hate how the dude plays basketball. I hate it. Um, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat that. He deserves to be an all-star, though. And he's a, he's he's... Getting it done, man. I I have nothing to... Right now, I have nothing bad to say about Julius Randle, except that I hate how he plays basketball. But that it it gets the job done. That's just my preference. Um, It bothers me to see him with the ball in his hands late in games. It continues to happen for whatever reason. And it hasn't happened as much lately, because Jalen Brunson has been taking over these games. And the chemistry with him and Josh Hart is extraordinarily good. Um... They're the Villanova teammates won a national championship together. They are tied at the hip forever because of that. These guys love each other, and they were hyped. You should see Jalen Brunson's reaction to that Josh Hart trade, and you could tell in the games. He he's just he's just the perfect player for this team. He just is. He's a dog defensively. He's not a liability on the defensive end. He he's a great defender, perimeter defender at that, and he can hit the three. And look. You know, being somewhere you want to be matters. Not that he didn't want to be in Portland, but he even said, like, you know, first of all, the connection he has with Brunson is one thing. He wanted to be in New York. He loves that he's here. This is why I love most of the players on the Knicks, because they want to be here. Like, that's why the Donovan Mitchell trade not happening bothered the shit out of me, because you knew he wanted to be here. He openly has said he wanted to be a Nick. So look, at, at the end, at the end of all of this, they've been playing freaking great, and the chemistry on the floor has been great. They've been two blowouts in a row. They beat they beat 
the Nets by 18. They just beat the Hawks by 21 going into the break. And it's funny, right? They had a 22-point lead at half against the Hawks. And I got to be honest, I got to be honest, I didn't think we were going to hold it, but we did. <laughs> I think the I think the lowest the league got was 11 points, I saw. It never got to single digits. I haven't seen that from the Knicks at all this year. And they ended up winning by 21. I haven't seen that at all this year. And I've been seeing it the last few games. Look, they're 33-27 and 27 going into the break, which is their best record since the 2012 season. That Mello, Jason Kidd, uh, Tyson Chandler, you know, that year. Um, that's their best record going into the All-Star break since then. They're 17-12 and 12 on the road, which is great. I don't love that their road record is better than their home record. What are they? Six, they're six, they're five hundred. They're they're just over five hundred. Sixteen and fifteen on the uh, at home. That has to change. You see, Cleveland is twenty five and six at home. See that right there just makes it even more frustrating <laughs> for the Knicks to be how they are at home. But look, they're playing great lately. It needs to continue. But. That Josh Hart trade is probably the most underrated move at the trade deadline. No one's talking about it. And it is showing. It is showing. Um, look, if this team can find a way to get to the sixth spot, they're in the sixth spot now because Brooklyn and Mikael Bridges went off the other night for 45 and beat Miami. So we jumped Miami, and we got the six now. Um, at best, I think we can get the five seed, man, because I think you're better than Brooklyn. Now, with KD and Kyrie not being there, um, again, whoever was killing the Josh Hart move needs to, in my opinion, be evaluated by a medical professional. That's just my personal opinion. That move is so good for so many reasons. And look, I think they're, again, I think they're better than Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn will fall off a little bit, but I think they'll be in the play-in. They have a good enough team. They just got to figure out those the way. Jacques Vaughn has to figure out what they're going to do with that lineup. Um, but, yeah, man, the Knicks, they have me feeling good. I am, again, I am not fully, full, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm walking up, you know, the steps to the train. I'm walking up the steps. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're next to the train. We're by it. I'm not fully on board yet. This needs to continue, and they have a lot of tough games coming up after the break. And they play Miami, I think, twice. They play Boston twice. Those are big games. But, you know, I think they have Charlotte in there. You know, you got the dregs, too, so we got to take care of business, man. The way they've been playing. Look, man, I didn't even get into Jalen Brunson. Dude, since January 1st, I believe, or it might have been 30. No, I think it's January 1st. He's averaging almost 30 points a game. He is my new favorite player. Um, if you're a Knicks fan, you no one could have expected this type of output from Jalen Brunson. Biggest all-star snub, in my opinion. The fact that Jalen Brown is even wanting to play in the all-star game after breaking his face bothers me a little bit. Just take the break, bro, and just chill out and wait for the wait for your games to start back up again and then play. You're really trying that hard to play in the All-Star game? That's the reason Jalen Brunson isn't on the team right now because Jalen Brown said he's trying to go play if he gets cleared. Stupid shit. Bother It, it, it doesn't bother me, though, because you could tell Jalen Brunson has a chip on his shoulder because of it. And, dude, he, he's balling. 
I did not expect it from him. And he can do whatever the fuck he wants. He's my. That's the next jersey I'm getting. Jalen Brunson is a dog. And I love that we picked him up. Loved it. I love it now. It makes it makes it uh, makes it a little more frustrating still because we didn't get Donovan Mitchell and R.J. Barrett being the one that held that trade up. Look, he's just been bad. He went 0 for 6 from 3 the other night against the Hawks. He clanked one bad, and he was wide open. I give him credit. He stopped shooting the 3, and he started driving the ball. He had success there, but he couldn't make his free throws. He's in a he he's in a way right now, and he's got to figure it out because the Knicks do need him. But with the way Josh Hart is playing, I think Josh Hart's going to start, and I think RJ is going to be delegated to the bench, and I think it'll be good for him. We'll see how he handles it, but he needs to figure it out because he's having a horrendous shooting year. He's it's crazy because he's averaging twenty, right? But the inconsistencies are insane. They're insane. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's got to figure it out. And I think it's going to lead to less time for him on the court. Um, but look, at the end of the day, the way the team overall is playing, it's been great to watch. I'm excited to – it's not even really – for it's. I guess it's for lack of a better term, second half of the year. There's only 22 games left, so there's. it's really – a playoff push from here. I don't know why they do the All-Star break so late in the season, but I got 22 games left, man. We'll see what can happen. Um, I Again, I think their ceiling's the five seed. I believe you can be disappointed as a Knicks fan if they don't get the six seed at least. Um, With the with what I've been seeing recently, they, they sh- they're a good team, man. And I'm very, I'm very happy with how they're playing. So yeah, all right. Look at that hour. We're at an hour and two. All right. Look, I think I'm gonna end it on that positive Knicks note. Let's enjoy All Star Weekend. The dunk contest is a joke. Although I'm interested to see what Mac McClung can do because I remember watching his high school clips. Uh, but it's still a joke. Three point contest, All Star game, and the skills challenge. They got all that stuff going on. So. It's a fun All Star Weekend. I'm, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely tune into it. But uh, yeah, again, I, I want to thank y'all for listening. I appreciate it. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Spread the word. Excuse me. I'm sorry for burping. <laughs> um, follow me on Twitter at winner1023, um, and follow me on Instagram at winnercirclepod. Um, I'm back on Instagram. So yeah. I appreciate the listen, people. Um, Hope you all have a good weekend, man. Thank you. Bye-bye.